And I have some really exciting news to share with everybody. It's one of the reasons I'm glad the kids are with us today. Um, it's actually been several years in the making, but before I start with the exciting news, I want to give you a brief history of Axis Church. For those of you who may not be aware of some of our history, in 2009, we knew God wanted us to start a church in Warren County, and we started to pray for a location. And I saw a Craigslist ad. How many of you still use Craigslist? Anybody? I, not many. And back then, when I looked on Craigslist, and sure enough, there was a little daycare center that was right behind Kroger over here. And they were looking, and actually said in their post, they were looking for a church that would rent their building on Sundays for $250. And so that's where we were. The price sounded right, and so we started in a little daycare center. The next year, we were looking for a bigger location, and in 2010, we moved to what is now, was, was then the Rave Cinemas by Kings Island. It was a much bigger space. We put the stage together literally every Sunday. We brought the entire stage in, and we built it every weekend. Uh, the air was filled with popcorn smell and movie theater previews sometimes would play before me as I was uh, preaching. It was very epic. But uh, Rivers Crossing purchased that building, and so we didn't have a location for a little while. And as a good church planter, every building that I looked at was uh, a potential church planting building, and every local vacant building I could find. And, but this one in particular resonated with me, the building that we're in today. And I would drive through the parking lot, and I would just pray, oh God, if you would allow us. I mean, it looks vacant to me. It looks like there could be, this would be a great place for a church. And so we talked to the owner, and it didn't seem like it was uh, going to happen right away. And, and uh, we talked a few times, and, and he had other plans for the facility. But just in the right moment at the right time, God opened the door for us to come here and to be renters. And so we built out what is now Kid City, and that was where we had our worship gatherings. And then uh, we were able to build out this space, which was just an old warehouse, and we built it out to be our worship uh, center. And then uh, we were able to build out Kala Coffee House and, and bring good news to the community uh, during the week. And so for the past uh, five years at least, we have been praying, uh, God, we've been renters here for a while. Would you allow us to have the opportunity to purchase the building here? We've had a lot of conversations with the owner over a period of time, and it just, at the right time, it seemed like circumstances came together, conversations with the owner came to together, and the day has uh, finally come. We have agreed with the owner to be able to purchase this property, and that is great because now we're able to use the building as we see fit and do renovations that are an investment and and we plan on keeping all of the tenants here, which will help us to be able to make the monthly payment. But along with the purchase of the property, we're going to do some much-needed renovation. We're going to paint the entire exterior of the building, uh, which is going to make immediately, as soon as we close in January, the community goes, something's different here. It's going to look um, far, far better and more modern. Uh, also, we're going to be adding parking to the field out front here as well as behind the building uh, in the back lot. We're going to be changing the original flooring in the preschool, which is much desperately needed. And also, we're going to be doing some renovation in this room, removing the carpet, polishing the floors, 
uh, and uh, upgrading a bit of our uh, speaker system as well. Uh, today, we are starting a capital campaign to meet these goals. The capital campaign will be uh, staged, uh, this first part will be over the next couple of months to the end of the year, and then it will be throughout all of 2024. The total cost of the purchase and renovation is $2,150,000. Our goal is to raise over half of that, $1,150,000. That'll allow us to finance about a million dollars, which is reasonable for a church our size. Now, as I say those numbers, some of you are already thinking, how in, a world, how in the world can a church uh, our size raise over a million dollars? Well, friends, the Word of God tells us, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. One of the reasons we're able to do this now, at this time, is because many months ago, a good friend of mine and of this church called me. I was driving. He said, Stephen, are you sitting down? I said, well, I'm driving. Let me pull over. He said, Stephen, I want to give to the Lord through the ministry of Access Church. The only request that I have is that you continue to just preach the word of God faithfully. And he told me the amount. And so today, we already have a seed gift of $750,000 on hand. And when he told me uh, what he was giving, I, I said, what? What? I mean, Access Church had never had a singular gift of over $50,000 ever in the history of our church. And so the goal of the campaign that we're starting today is that we would raise $400,000 as a church. $200,000 by the end of the year, and $200,000 by the end of 2024. We're hoping to close on the building in January. This current campaign is what we're calling phase one, but we're also making a master plan for the future called phase two. And at a later date, uh, as the Lord wills, we're going to add a worship center to this side of the building with a lobby that'll connect to this area, and we're going to renovate this room to be half offices and half a connector lobby. Those plans will be in the brochure that you're going to get later. Phase one will be the purchase and will be the renovation. Phase two will come, uh, Lord willing, uh, when he plans and when he wills in the future. Uh, now, um, we are going to be uh, doing this over the next few weeks as a church that we'll be praying together about, God, what would you have us to give? And at the end of the service today, there are going to be some dates and some information that I want to give you. Uh, that are upcoming. But for now, I want to introduce you to Rob and Lynn Shank from Axis, who love Axis Church and who are serving as our campaign chairs for this capital campaign. And they're going to share a little bit about their faith story today. Good morning. So we've been asked this morning to share just a little bit about our story Rob and I uh, grew up with similar faith backgrounds. Being a Christian meant um, on Sunday you went to Sunday school, and then afterwards you sat and endured adult worship. Uh, prayer was the Lord's Prayer or some little rope prayer like, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Um, at my church, we didn't use the name Holy Spirit. We used Holy Ghost. And I probably watched too many episodes of Scooby-Doo, but I was not interested in any conversation involving a ghost. 
um, later on, we both went to Catholic universities. And looking back, I'm not really sure whether this was the case or my perception, but I felt like people judged me for a faith that they felt was sort of less than. So by the end of college, I remember one day thinking, well, if people are going to question me about my faith, I should probably have an answer for that. What, how would I define my faith? And I realized I didn't have an answer. I believe God placed that on my heart as he led me then to law school, led me to Vanderbilt, and led me specifically to the Christian Legal Society there. And I met people, and I thought, that's the faith I want. See, these people were, had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They integrated Jesus into their daily life. And for some of you, might, this might sound ridiculous. I was 22 at the time. I had never witnessed that. And I didn't realize this at the time, but these people were filled with fruit of the Spirit. It was there that I met Rob, and we started walking this journey together, learning about the character of God, praying, pursuing Jesus, inviting in the Holy Spirit. Fast forward a few years, I was heading back to Cincinnati from a particularly difficult um, weekend in St. Louis. I'd attended the funeral of my cousin, who had died suddenly, um, tragically, at 29. So I was heading to a starting point class in a new church that we had just started attending. Now, this was, I would say, about 17 years ago. So since that time, we've raised three kids, married off a daughter, welcomed a grandchild. I'm lucky if I remember what state I was living in at the time. But the one thing I do distinctly remember is a story that this pastor told us. And he said, imagine you're in a basement of a home filled with people, and then all of a sudden the home is engulfed in flames. And you know the only way to survive is to head up the stairs. But everybody else there is contemplating other plans. Oh, we should wait for the firemen. We should yell for neighbors. We should try the window. But you know that all of these plans, if they follow them, they'll perish. But you say nothing, and you just head up the stairs. Well, I thought about my cousin. I knew where I hoped he was, but I hadn't seen him in probably over a decade. And no one at the funeral was telling me where they knew he was. Now, this starting point class wasn't Axis Church. Axis wasn't born yet. But the pastor from over 20 years ago was Stephen Sams. And what Rob and I would come to learn and our family would come to learn is that this idea of leading people to Christ was not just some cute little anecdote for a starting point class. It really was a prominent part of the DNA of Stephen, and it would later be the mission of the church he would plant, Axis Church. So when I say it's part of his DNA, what I mean is it's evident in and through everything. So if, you know, Stephen needs to call a plumber to come, you know, fix the backed up sewer, they're also going to talk about faith at some point. And if you're on the side of the road because you ran out of gas, he's going to help you fix that gas problem, but he's also going to see if there's a spiritual problem. If he's going to author a book, it's going to be about discipleship. Look at who he brought on to help pastor this church, Josh. If you don't know Josh, and his passion for leading people to Christ, and you've never met Josh. 
if they're going to host a, a parenting roundtable to help parents in raising kids, it's going to mirror discipleship. And when they're going to run into people like me, like Rob, like our family, who've accepted Christ, they're going to say, lovingly, the Bible doesn't say, oh, send the pastors to go lead people to Christ, or the, you know, religiously, you know, cute people to lead people to Christ. All believers are equipped by the Spirit and are commanded to go and make disciples. So because of this encouragement, our family has started to look for and show up for what Christian author Mark Batterson calls holy appointments. What these are, these are little appointments that God has set up, and you can choose to show up or choose not to show up. I'll give you an example. So I work at a high school, and back in March of 2020, I received a phone call. It was from the mom of a senior. She said, Lynn, I need you to pray. She said, KT and Dan have been in a car accident. It's serious. I don't know anything else. I'm headed to the hospital. I would come to learn over the next few hours that KT and Dan were on their way to a college visit at UK when they got, were involved in a minor accident. They pulled over to exchange information. A semi drifted and crashed into their accident scene. The other driver of the initial accident was killed instantly. Dan was serious but awake and alert. KT was critical and life flighted to UC Hospital. Right after that semi crashed, a Good Samaritan, a UPS driver, stopped and he stayed with KT and Dan until EMTs could take over. A couple days later, somehow, somebody was directed to my phone, phone rings. This woman says, my husband was a UPS driver who was at the accident of your student. I don't know what to do. She said, he's distraught. He can't eat. He can't sleep. He's so, she's, he's so upset about this girl. I saw on the news she attends CHCA, and I thought, maybe if I call, someone there could give me information to help him. At this point, I knew that KT was on life support as they were assembling the organ donor team. So I said to this woman, KT is very critical, and the doctors are not giving us very much hope that she'll survive. She said, we love KT so deeply that for our community, this is a level of grief we've never experienced. I said, but in this grief and despair, we have a hope and a peace that's beyond understanding. For a couple years ago, KT accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. So we know if she passes away today, tomorrow, or 60 years from now, she will live eternally in heaven in glory. And as believers, we will be reunited with her, and we will live eternally in heaven in glory with her. The woman didn't say anything. I could hear her crying a little bit. She thanked me and then hung up. A couple minutes later, I received another phone call. The caller said, I'm the UPS driver. Can you tell me what you told my wife? Now, I wish I could say they came to church with me that Sunday. I baptized them, and they're here in the second row. I can't. I don't know exactly what was happening there. If I was 
tilling some soil, if I was dropping a seed, if I was watering a seed, I don't know. But I believe that was a holy appointment. And I showed up and just let the Spirit talk. I do know this, that my family would not be looking for holy appointments. They would not be showing up for holy appointments if God had not led us to Stephen and led us to Access Church. Thanks, Lynn. Um, you know, I've made my living as a litigation attorney for nearly 30 years, and um, I haven't had my fair But throughout those years, I've often had to stand in front of people like you, uh, or in my job, stand in front of judges or other audiences and make difficult arguments. And today is the polar opposite. As Access kicks off its Multiply campaign, I want to talk to you for just a minute or two about something that's much easier for me to present as one of you, as a member of the congregation. And that is to just give you a quick summary, famous last words I know from a lawyer, of the campaign we're about to embark on as a church. As Lynn described for you, the unique trait at Axis, in our view, is its mission to emulate Jesus and to go and make disciples. One thing to say it, former Bengals coach Marvin Lewis used to have this saying that he used. He says, I see better than I hear. What he meant by that is, don't tell me you're going to do one thing or another. Do it. Act on it. Axis lives out its mission of going and making disciples and acts on it in so many different ways that are, in a word, authentic. An authentic reflection of the biblical view of the church. From the messages that Stephen and Josh give to the worship that the worship team provides to the student community, to community groups, to abide. Those are just some examples. One of my favorite Bible verses is Matthew 6, 1, 3, 4, where he states, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So many examples of the Great Commission that you all see every day here. There are so many examples of acts of service that we, and I know each of you, are aware of that occur every day and week here at Axis. I just heard this week a community group of someone who is helping behind the scenes with Sonia and with Kimberly, the mother and daughter who were on stage here a few weeks back. This is what we view as the dominant trait of Axis going and making disciples, and serving others. It's Axis' embrace of this command that's truly inspiring to, to Lynn and to me and to the Shank family. As Axis embarks on this campaign, campaign called Multiply, it's Axis' central mission of disciple-making that will drive the campaign. It has little to do with funds and numbers, per se, that you see up here on the board. It has everything to do with people. But it even goes beyond people. When Stephen, and, um, when Stephen called to ask Lynn and me to chair this campaign, our very first thought was skeptical, not faithful thought. Why did you ask us? What can we add to this? Those are the entirely wrong questions, asked by two lawyers, no less. It's not about who is on the campaign committee. 
Multiply is not even about Stephen or Josh. Multiply is all about God who will lead this campaign exactly where he wants it to go. As you prayerfully consider things in this campaign, don't do what I did. Don't ask the wrong skeptical questions like we initially thought of. What can I do or how much can I really help? Fix your focus on all the things that God is doing here at Axis that are so self-evident. And then ask yourself the only question that needs to be asked. What is he calling you to do and how do you want to obediently respond to his prompting? That is what the Multiply Campaign is all about. Thank you.
when I graduated from college, I started uh, right away to start looking for a ministry, and uh, that was long before the internet, and I had been a youth and worship minister of a church in Tennessee while I was in college, but I felt called to preach, and it was hard for me to find a church, uh, truthfully, because I couldn't search the internet. I had to go to a local Bible college that had a list of churches that were interested in looking for somebody. And so I was sending off resumes, uh, and I just prayed, God, would you open the right door for me? And I was getting discouraged. Apparently, churches didn't want to hire a 22-year-old, single, recently graduated student to be their lead pastor. And I remember following up with one church that I had applied to, and I, I wish I remembered what church it was, but I was very respectful. Hello, this is Stephen Stams, although it probably sounded a lot more Southern back then because, you know, I grew up in North Carolina. I was in Tennessee at the time. Probably sounded like Stephen Stams. But anyway, maybe that's why he didn't hire me. But he said, I, wanna, I said, I want to follow up with you on the resume that I sent you. And the guy on the other end of the phone said, young man, we at so-and-so church are looking for someone who is older, someone who can maintain our ministry. And I thought, maintain your ministry. Well, if you're looking for somebody to just maintain your ministry, you probably made a good decision. I'm not your guy. I'm called to mission, not maintenance. And that's still the way I feel today, 31 years later. Almighty God does not call us to the status quo. He calls us to mission. He calls it the Great Commission. He calls us to make a difference in our generation. He calls us to do uh, all that we can, by all the ways that we can, to impact as many people as we can for eternity. And that is really the reason why today we start a four-week campaign. The most obvious goal of the campaign is that we're going to be purchasing the building here and doing some needing, needed renovation. In order to do that, it's going to take all of us making sacrifices over the next year and to be generous. The goals, though, that are less obvious are more important that God will use this campaign to develop us as people, to develop our trust, our faith, and dependence on Him, to develop the strength of our resolve, that He will use this property as a tool that will continue to impact uh, hundreds of lives and even thousands of people in Warren County and beyond. A few weeks ago, when I put together a campaign team made up of people who love the Lord and who love this church, these people are working hard to plan out and to generate enthusiasm for the campaign and make sure people are well communicated with. And after I shared uh, the vision with the team, the first thing we did was pray about what theme would we have as a team? What vision would align with the Bible and with what God has in store for us? And the team came up with this idea of multiply. And we looked at scriptures where the Lord used something that was given in faith and that he multiplied and it would make a huge impact. He looked, we looked at the story of where Jesus fed 5,000 people with a small lunch that a boy gave. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he multiplied it, and the faith of that boy was able then to increase and to spread to thousands of people. We looked at the story of Elijah the prophet and the woman at the city of Zarephath, and Elijah needed food in the midst of a drought and a famine. And the, he asked the woman, would you feed me? But she only had just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil just enough to feed her and her son one last meal before they were going to die. And he said, if you will give me a small loaf of bread and you will make a meal for you and your son, then this flour and this oil will not dry up 
until the day where the Lord provides rain on the earth and you'll be able to have a harvest. And the, her life, her son's life, and Elijah was saved. God multiplied it. And we're, we looked at the parables of Jesus. Uh, 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 one of them was the story of the talents where people gave and one held back. But in the parables of Jesus, one of the ones we looked at was the one I'm going to talk about today for just a few minutes, and that is in Mark chapter 4. It is a story that Jesus tells about a man who goes out to sow seed. It's found in three of the Gospels, but here's what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse, verse 2. Jesus taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. By the end of the message here in just a few minutes, you're going to know what the seed is. You're going to see some of the obstacles that we face as we give that seed out. And then you're going to understand the power of the harvest. The first thing we see is that we need to sow the seed generously. Verse 3 says, a farmer went out to sow seed. Imagine a farmer not on a tractor or with a spreader, but just with a pouch and seed. And he begins to just throw that seed out into the soil as he walks. And Jesus is going to tell us later that this seed is the word of God. It is the gospel. It is the good news of our faith. And guys, from the beginning of Acts' church, we have been planting seeds of faith, planting seeds of the good news of the kingdom of God into the hearts of people. As a church family, we have seen literally hundreds and hundreds of lives be touched with the gospel message that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What a privilege it is to be representatives of his truth on this earth. And we have watched Axis be able to reach people, not only here now, but also in Middletown as we planted a church in Middletown back in 2020. Not only here, but also around the globe in places like El Salvador, where we partner with Chalchuapa to plant seeds in another place, in another location. God is allowing us to be very creative in ways that we present the gospel. In this space alone, we've been able to share the good news with people on Sunday through worship and teaching children, through the week ministries with, where people meet here and pray here together, student retreats. We do it by things like the fall fest that we had last week. We do it by being good news to the community on a daily basis through Collie Coffee House. Now, is the building that we're in the goal? No. But the building is a tool that God uses. It's a ministry resource to be able to reach our neighbors for Christ. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We spread as much seed as possible generously because we know that some of that seed is going to take root. And as we expand, we know that more and more lives will be changed, but we also know that the enemy it, it doesn't like that. And that's why, number two, we need to anticipate difficulties. Christ talked about some difficulties in Mark chapter 4. It says, as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places and where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. He said, listen, some of the seed that you plant is not going to take. It's not going to take root. In other words, spread as much as you can because some of it's going to take and some of it's not. He says you need to anticipate that there are going to be challenges. 
there are going to be some people that, like he said here, are those who that when the seed is planted, it's planted on shallow ground. Mark chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus explains the parable by saying, anyone who hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one will come and snatch away what was sown in his own heart. He's talking about people who have a hardened heart. And that can happen to people in our own community. There are people right now today that say, I don't want no part of church. I want no part of anything that's going on. I'm very critical of it. In fact, when we started Access Church, we got a very critical message. And I saved that message on my telephone. And just this week, I played it in remembrance of, of things that happened at the beginning. The message I put into a video that was our one-year anniversary video. And the video was celebrating all the things that God was doing among us. And then I showed this video of a guy walking across the bridge and the bridge illustration, and he was about to be baptized. And as he was about to be baptized, the music gets slower, and you hear the woman who called me on the phone, and it says something like this, what's this about a new church? Why are all these new churches starting? What's this revolution that you're talking about? Churches, new churches don't make a difference, she said. And right as that happened, the music started to increase, and on the video, I baptized this guy, and on the video, I put the title, Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? That was my way of responding to our, criti our critic. But there are people who have hardened hearts. Let's be careful that we're not part of that. We always want to have soil that's ready, that says, God, we don't want to be comfortable. God, expand our hearts. God, allow us to be open, to be pushed beyond where we are comfortable. And Satan wants to do everything he can to harden the hearts of people. But we've got to be careful to always be open and ready to hear what God has in store for us personally as, in, as, in a, as a church. He also talks about soil that is shallow. Verse 5 says, some seed falls on rocky places where it doesn't have much soil. He said it sprang up quickly because the soil was so shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. The shallow are those who might respond to something emotionally, but then it doesn't stick. They might make a quick decision, but then it doesn't last. Um, all of us can fall into that. I find myself getting emotional about things sometimes, especially every four years when the Olympics happen. I can literally sit in my family room, nobody else in the room, cry my eyes out when I see the Olympics. It's incredible. I'll flip through the stations. I'll come across the Olympics. There will be some 30-second soundbite about an incredible adversity that some athlete, Olympic athlete has to overcome. They'll be like, back when I was in 10th grade, my pet chihuahua died, and I'm dedicating my Olympics to Bimbi. And all of a sudden, I'll be like, what? And then just like, my kid will come in and be like, wow, what, what's going on? I'll be like, well... This guy just won the gold medal. Well, who is he? I don't know, but he dedicated the Olympics to his chihuahua, Bimbi. So sad and so inspiring. Now, ask me three months from now, and I won't remember about Bimbi or the Olympics or anything, but in the moment, I'm caught up. And what we want to be careful of is that when we make decisions for Christ or for a commitment like we're making now, that we, we might be moved at the beginning by the emotion of that and understanding the mission of that, but ultimately, we want people to be developed in their faith. We want true disciples who understand what they're doing, that they are stretched in their faith, that, that it's a faith that lasts. It's fruit that's born over a long period of time. We are dedicated to making disciples. We don't want to just be people that 
somehow see converts made in an emotional response. We want to lead people to real life change, long lasting relationship. That's why I love the fact that our kids are in here. Because they have the opportunity from a very young age to understand what God has done for them and that they're able to be developed into that and they're able to grow into their faith over a long period of time. Mark chapter 4, verse 20, Jesus explains the parable again by saying, The one who received the seed that fell on rocky ground is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no roots, he lasts only a short time. For when trouble or persecution come because of the wor- world, he quickly falls away. We want access to be a place where when the storms of life come, people know that they have a firm foundation. And then he talks about seed that falls on thorny ground. Mark chapter 4, verse 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. Verse 22, Jesus explains it. He says, The one who received the seed who fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke it making it unfruitful. There is stress in this life, and those things have a tendency to choke out our joy. They have a tendency to choke out our our faith. Worries have a way of taking us off course. And then the deceitfulness of wealth, the, the things that we put our faith and trust in, we learn are not that dependable. And in this campaign, all of us are going to be facing that moment, that moment of faith where we say, Is this a moment of worry or is this a moment of trust? God, I want you to increase my faith. God, I I believe in what you're doing. Would you stretch me beyond the comfortable? Realize, as Zwingli one time said, the question should be asked, do I possess things or do things possess me? In this campaign, we're going to have an opportunity to be sacrificial and to give. It will take all of us together to meet this goal. And thanks to our faithful friend, He's already started us off well by getting us well on our way. But ultimately, this campaign will not be about raising money. It'll be about raising our faith and our trust in our Heavenly Father, who's already given us so much. So there's going to be challenges. But realize that when we're faithful, we will reap a harvest. Understand that there is a harvest out there that if we plant seeds, and if we continue to face the challenges with faith, that God is bringing about a great harvest among us. He already has. He already will. There are some things which are just too important, guys, uh, to keep to ourselves because God loves people more than anything. God has bridged the gap between sin and death, and he's prepared a way to heaven through the cross of Christ, and it is our job to present that message. Mark chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Some seed fell on good soil, and it came up, and it grew, and it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. This harvest will multiply as we give our faith to the Lord and say, God, help us increase our trust in you. Help us to know that you have a plan for us and for this church. Galatians chapter 6, 9 reminds all of us, especially those of us that have been in this journey for a while now, let us not become weary in doing good for the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Jesus explains this in verse 22, where he says, the one who receives the seed that falls on good soil is the one who hears the word of God and understands the word of God and then obeys. You know what? God is in charge of growing the seed. In fact, Paul one time said, 
that he planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Some people plant seeds. Some people water seeds, but ultimately God makes it grow. But I'll tell you this, you will never reap a harvest if you don't plant a seed. And that's what God's calling us to right now, right here, to say, let's plant some seeds of faith. God, plant a seed of faith in me. God, help me to trust you. God, we're planting seeds of faith for the future of Axis Church, where maybe some of us in, in a few years or a few decades won't be here, but Axis will be here. Our kids will continue to grow and learn and reach people. And as that happens, we'll see what God continues to do. But those seeds have to be planted today in our generation with us. And so, God, today, we pray that all of us would be willing to say, God, in the next few weeks and even over the next year, do you help us to be able to demonstrate our faith? Help us to grow in our trust of you. Help us, God, to make a difference. God, thank you for the opportunity that's been given to us as a church. For the last 14 years, for the stewardship that's really taken place, for the fact that we've been renters for a long time, God, that we've just continued to build out and be wise about our finances. And then we had the opportunity to give to the Middletown campus and, and provide that space. And that church is growing. That part of Axis is growing, experiencing very positive things as they reach that community. And, and here, God, we, are, we have been given the opportunity to, to, to purchase here and to have a home. And God, we just thank you and pray that it would continue to be a blessing to this community, that we would find new ways to continue to reach people and plant more and more seeds of faith in people, that we would give the word of God to them so that they would be more uh, dependent on you and that they would be changed in their, in their lives. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of this mission at this time in this generation. And God, we thank you so much for loving us. And God, thank you for the gifts that have already been given. And now, God, as we also do that, pray that you would increase the harvest. And we pray this.